sense making. What does this mean for me and my team? Sense giving, making the change relevant for the team. Mobilization. By sense making, what are you talking about? Does it make sense? Are you guys making candles? No, but we're making precision machine parts that go on rockets. (laughs) Well, you're talking about sense. Welcome to Making Chips. We believe that manufacturing is challenging, but if you are connected to a community of leaders, you can elevate your skills, solve your problems, and grow your business. My name is Jim Carr, and I am here with my good friend, my co-host of eight years, Mr. Jason Zanger. Jason, welcome. How are you doing, Jim? Thanks. I'm good. I'm feeling better now than I did earlier today and yesterday. That's good. I'm feeling really, really good and good to be recording another podcast. Yeah, you're recording from your shop and I'm recording from Mikasa. It's a little odd and we know how that works, but this made sense today. So that's what we're going to do. And if the technology is there, we might as well utilize it. Exactly. Hopefully it won't degrade from the emotion of the show. Exactly. I think we could still be emotional. Right. Well, I'm an emotional guy anyway, but at the end of the day, we really don't have a choice. And if we want to create content, we're going to have to utilize the technology that's available to us. Exactly. Yeah. I tested positive for COVID. And so I'm quarantined here in my office. (laughs) It ran through my entire family. So we're all kind of held up in the house and I was the last to go down, but I'm recovering now. So so I'm glad to hear you're feeling better. And your family too, right? Exactly. Exactly. I think we're almost through it. As you know, on Monday, everything's going to be lifted. So Mm -hmm. it'll be interesting. You know, Jason, you know, cars growing, you know, what we've been through lately, the new building, the initiatives and everything. And and so quite frankly, probably so does the metalworking nation that listens to the show because you and I and Nick all share our manufacturing problems, successes and failures with everybody, right? With the world. Mm -hmm. Yep. And with growth comes growing pains. Plenty, right? Yes. I know that we've been growing for the last like 10 years and it's a challenge, you know? There's no doubt. Sometimes you just, sometimes you don't even want to grow. You're like, okay, I've had enough of the challenges. (laughs) Let me tell you, I'm going through that right now. Anyway, the hard part for me is, you know, I've never worked in an environment that was any more than a small, closely held company, right? A small family owned and operated machine shop with a handful of employees. Same here. But now as we're quickly approaching a 15 headcount, we, all of us, our team were forced to implement middle management in our workforce. Uh Yep. Got to do it, right? Well, there's different theories on that, but I'm, I'm anxious to hear what you have to say. It's funny. The next paragraph says, this episode for me is really grassroots. And with the help of my team here at CAR, our ERP system pro shop, you, Jason Zanger, and all the metalworking nation, because at the end of the day, we're all trying to help each other. Maybe the metalworking nation can equip and inspire me in some capacity with this development of a middle management team at CAR. That's what we're going to talk about today. I've got some interesting information to share with the metalworking nation. And hopefully by the end of this episode, you and I can come up with some kind of better structure for developing that middle management team at CAR. Yeah, because I think that if you look at our audience and, and who we've spoke to, like the types of businesses really run the gamut. And 
some of our audience, they have 100 employees and they've got a very well-developed, you know, middle management team and leadership team and everything like that. And then there's some in the metalworking nation who only have, say, five and that's okay too. And they don't have any need for a middle management. Right. And then there's you who you're kind of like going through those growing pains. So yeah, I'm, I'm happy to have those discussions and talk about yeah. it. I mean, it's a whole new world for me. It's hard to teach an old dog new tricks, but I'm going to be very open-minded and receptive to what people tell me. And I think that I have good people around us that can help us and guide us and kind of get this going. And at the end of the day, if we don't try something, there won't be any change. We got to try something and then we make changes as we go along. But before we get to that and I share all of the information I'm coming to this episode with. Tell me what's new in your world and I'll tell you what's new in mine. Oh, what's new in my world. Speaking of middle management, so I'm about to make a job offer to someone who is going to be our administrative coordinator. So this is going to be somebody that is in like a leadership position. They're going to be both just a general administrative coordinator to our sales operations and leadership team and also like an executive assistant to me. So I'm really excited about making that job offer. And then we were kind of just literally just this morning, I was working through some conflict on my team and really saw the need for, I need to get some better training for some of my leaders slash managers. And we don't have like a very formalized structure from that standpoint, but I think I definitely need to get people trained up a little bit better. I like doing things a little bit more informalized and maybe that'll kind of come out in our conversation. But yeah, I need to get better training for some of my team members. Always something. I hear you hundred percent. Always something. Yeah. Car. I just bought another machine on Friday. I've got two brand new CNC machines coming one next week. Doosan DVF 5000, five axis with an eight pallet pool. Is that because you're preparing for World War III <laughs> that's coming? No comment. Yeah, you weren't supposed to laugh It's at a that. little too fresh right now to be talking about that. I don't really watch the news, and so oh. I only hear like snippets of what's going on with Russia and Ukraine. It's on. Yeah. Today yeah, was the day. It's, it's interesting. Mark your calendar. Yeah, yeah. So I'd rather not talk about that because it's a little painful. It's conflict, right? No one likes conflict. Yeah, right. I'm very confident and our government, that we will make good decisions. I'm glad you're confident in our government. Well, I'm an optimist, so, uh, you know. Yeah, I mean, I can only do what I can do. Yeah, right, what are you going to do? Like, Yeah, I mean, that's why, to a certain extent, watching the news all the time, just, it's not even fruitful. I mean, I'm not the president of the United States. I mean, if you all in the metalworking nation want to elect me and put that up on the ballots, that's fine. We can talk about it. But (laughs) I can only affect what happens at my business and my family and stuff like that and the people that I'm next to. So I'm not going to get too upset or anything. I can pray and I can handle what's around me. Can you affect me? I do. Oh, okay. I've been doing that for the last like eight or 10 oh, years. Have you been holding my hand? Uh, yeah. Coaching you through all this. Yeah. I grooming, grooming you. Exactly. Me. Yeah. For a new career, right? <laughs> exactly. Exactly. Because that's what I need right now at my age is another yep. career. Uh, exactly. Anyway. And the other thing too is we're about to pull the trigger on our first robot too. So yeah, so really a lot of exciting thing. But also news for all of us at Making Chips, we are very humbled to announce that we will have an active part of the promotion and entertainment for IMTS 2022. Really excited about that. Yes. Oh, yeah. That is very exciting. Yeah. So we're going to be talking about that quite a lot. And I'm so excited about IMTS. It's going to be fantastic. And if you and the Metalworking Nation 
want to come and hang out with us during IMTS, we would love to meet you. I would you. love that. We would love to have a drink. Do you drink? I'll have a glass of wine, okay. yeah, at the boring bar. We'll find a makeshift boring bar somewhere. But I'm planning on having some kind of party or something like that. So, you know, kind of stay tuned and let us know if you want to connect. We'd love to hear from sure. you. Sure. That sounds great. I'm looking forward to it as well and ready to get back with it and start enjoying trade shows for what they were meant to be and do. Yeah, absolutely. And I've got free Zenger's hat for anybody that asked me for them during IMTS. Perfect. So I'm going to be handing out some swag. Perfect. All right, so go on with your episode. No, no, I've got some manufacturing news before we get to that. Okay. So we just talked about how literally manufacturing is on fire. It's a three-alarm fire. Wouldn't you agree? I've never seen it so good in my entire career. It just, I don't know. I feel like things are really doing well. And the problems that we're having with manufacturing is on fire is what we always talk about. What has led to this manufacturing labor shortage? And I read this article today. It is from Manufacturing Business Technology, and I took some excerpts from it. But you know, Jason, since we've been doing this podcast, we've been talking about the manufacturing labor shortage for over eight years, right? It's nothing new. Mm -hmm. The fact is, though, now that manufacturing is getting so busy, the National Association of Manufacturing is is forecasting that 2.1 million manufacturing jobs could go unfulfilled by 2030. I mean, that's quite a deficit. And 2030 is not that far away. We're already in 2022. It's eight years, right? Mm 2.1 million manufacturing jobs. That's huge. Last year, according to a research study by Deloitte and the Manufacturing Institute, who we know, the industry had a record number of job openings, and not all were due to the pandemic. So what's causing the shortage? Well, it's something you and I know about, we have been talking about for the last eight years. The people don't understand what we do, right? It's viewed as an old career. It's public perception. Yeah, there was a period of time when that public perception of manufacturing was really bad. And I think that it's really hurt us for a particular generation of people that could have been great manufacturing leaders. And now we're kind of playing catch up. And you've got very few people proportionally from my generation who are in manufacturing. Like there's some, but I mean, from a percentage standpoint, there's not a lot in my generation. And then you've got a lot of the gray hairs that are retiring. And so we're leaving this all to you guys. So, I mean, we need to figure out how do we get those gray hairs with all the wisdom to train up the next generation. Steal all the tribal knowledge. Take as much as you can. Mm -hmm. Well, people either don't know these jobs exist or they think manufacturing is dead. The reality is it's quite the opposite. Manufacturing is truly a high-tech frontier in the application of automation, AI, machine learning, digital collaboration, and augmented reality. Yeah, absolutely. And there's this quote that I'm going to read verbatim from this article. It says, modern manufacturing careers are increasingly high-tech, high-skill, and high-pay. You know that, Jason. I know that. Yep. And they depend, she notes, on irreplaceable human skills, things like creativity, critical thinking, design, innovation, engineering, and finally finance. 
So we got all that. So what can we do? What can we do to attract and retain these people? Because we've got a 2.1 million manufacturing job deficit that we have to fill by 2030, right? Well, it's even just like tangible skills like, okay, getting, hiring somebody to set up a hydromat machine, getting people who are really skilled at running Swiss machines, running five axis. It's those kind of things are a big concern, right. you know, in order to increase our productivity as manufacturing companies. Yeah. Well, that's what it goes on to say. It says, the more we as manufacturers inject this technology and all those things, creativity, thinking, design, innovation, engineering, into the workforce, and we buy these five-axis machines with eight-pallet pools and robotic and sophisticated CMM machines and all this good stuff, what's going to happen is when the young people of today see our shops, they're going to be attracted to that technology, and that's going to make them want to come in to into the workforce. So there's the attraction, and then on the other hand, there's the retention bolt. So we've just have to keep doing what we're doing now and blast it out to the world so everyone knows that what we are doing is truly technological. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Last quote out of this article that I thought was pretty impactful says, but now there's another reason to di- digitally transform, to attract, keep, empower people at every level, now and in the future, an enterprise's ability to build its human capital may well depend on how successfully it has embraced and promoted its digital transformation. So there. I've been talking about this concept for a while. I'm making chips and if I could make an analogy to the restaurant industry. So I live in Chicago, which is one of the biggest, you know, like restaurant meccas in the country, if not the world. I mean, we have food from every part of the world and just the best of the best, you know, Michelin rated chefs and stuff like that. So anyway, so one of the trends that I'm seeing is that employees of restaurants are transitioning up. Yes. Okay. So like the employees who once worked at like, say, like a lower end restaurant, and I don't mean lower end in any kind of like derogatory Don't say manner, any names. But like, I know what you mean though. Yeah. But just like the menu options are lower priced and hence they're going to get lower tips. Okay. They're moving up to the medium rate menu restaurants. And then the employees in the medium size are moving up to the high end, fine dining restaurants. And I think that you're going to see that same type of trend. And then so like then the real low end restaurants with the lower prices, they're having challenges finding people more so than like maybe some of the fine dining restaurants. Think about the the training that they have to do. So all those levels. Well, of course, they have to go through way more intense training. I'm just saying that's where they're finding them from. And I think that you're going to see that same thing in the machining industry where your more high-end shops, your shops that are doing more precise work, they have five-axis machines, they have higher-end machines, they have million-dollar hydromats, they have just whatever else it is compared to the shops that have older machines, less technology. They're workers are going to start transitioning to those higher end shops and look for the training to get more up to speed on some of that better technology because they're going to have the basic skills already in place in order to hit the ground running. And I think that those lower end shops are the ones that are really going to suffer in the long run. 
that's my prediction. I kind of agree. And I feel for them, but it is what it is. I think it also has to do with culture too. So like low culture versus high culture. Exactly. I don't think it's just going to be a hundred percent based on, you know, the type of technology it's going to be, you know, high culture versus low culture. I agree. So let's get down with the episode. When and how to implement middle management roles. So first, what is the definition? I always like to start with the definition. I think it it sets the baseline for what we're going to talk about and what we're doing here. It's a 30,000-foot view. You know, can, can, go ahead. before you go to the definition, I want to say yeah. something. So it's kind of funny when you go into some of these episodes, I feel like you're trying to like teach me something, but you're actually trying to learn something through this. So you're like, you're going to be throwing some ideas out there, not saying like, I've been there, done that. Like you're trying to figure this I out. I am. That's exactly what I'm trying to do. Okay. I need you and the Metalworking Nation to help me do this and implement it because yeah. I have no experience doing this at all. Okay. So it was kind of funny. So I got to kind of give you a little bit of a jab because you did an episode just recently about what to do in like a virtual environment. And I'm thinking to myself the whole time we're recording, I'm like, what do you know about that? You don't do anything virtually with your team. Everybody goes into, 100% of your staff goes into the office every single day. So like, you know. I know. So what do you know and, about that? And all the, so that's why I was like kind of confused. Yeah, and all the people around me are the ones that are using virtual. And so. Yeah, I understand. I know the culture that we've created here at CAR is good and it's based on human interactions. Yeah. So anyway, I just wanted to kind of set this up as you're coming at this from a sense of I'm trying to figure this out. I am. I need help here. Got it. So what is middle management? It's someone who is in a leadership position and also reports to top management. They manage their team's career progression, communicate decisions from upper management, adjust workflows, processes, and priorities to align with overall business objectives, right? Straightforward. Mm -hmm. What do they do? Potentially, they have high-end responsibilities like hold employee review cycles to overseeing team budgets. Middle managers have a hand in each aspect of their team's day-to-day, right? They're communicating company updates, setting and striving team goals, providing employee feedback, supporting employee growth, creating organizational changes within their team, budgeting, and overseeing day-to-day operations, right? Am I good so far? Yeah, yeah. I think you're good. I'm building the groundwork here. Yep. So what skills do they need, right? Well, it's different for each industry, but I think the overall skill sets that they're going to need is good communication, people skills, people skills, skills, soft skills, uh, and another word for soft skills, accountability. I mean, everyone has to have accountability, but I think middle management. Holding people accountable. Yeah, of course. Uh, They're going to have... Again, that's all under people skills to me. Good time and energy management. You know what that is, Jason? Yeah. Okay. Yeah, Yeah, I work on that all the time. (laughs) Me too. Uh, It's important. This was one, unlearning. I don't know really what they mean by unlearning, but the last one again is big picture thinking. So let's do the exercise together. How do we determine if we, A, need middle management roles? How do we know? So here we are today. Things are going crazy. Jim and Ryan and John, our top management people are overtasked, overburdened. But that's the question is like, are you the top management and Ryan and John are the middle man? No, they're not. We're all at the same level. Well, 
Yes and no. I mean, you're the owner and you also play other roles. But like, that's why I always thought that like John and Ryan were more of your middle management along with, but I guess you're trying to put in another layer. Exactly. So from my standpoint, the question would be, do you just put another person on a leadership team and spread out the number of people that they're accountable no. for? Or you put in another layer. No. And I don't know that I necessarily agree with you about put, I don't know that you're big enough yet to put in another layer. That's just my thought. Okay. But keep going. Okay. It's got to be somebody in the middle because we can't have a few people at the top and then a lot of people down at the bottom, right? We've got to have somebody in the middle to manage the bottom, right? Well, a lot of times it has to do with like how many people can you directly supervise? Right. There's a lot of people that have thoughts as far as that goes. You know, some people say seven, some people say 12, some people say five. And I think that you just have to come up with a number and be like, based on our workflow, this is the number of people that I can, and what they do, this is the number of people that I can effectively supervise. And it also has to do with the maturity of your team, because there's a lot of teams that they're very much self-managing and they know what to do. It's the same thing all the time. And they don't need a lot of middlemen. Right. You know, that's, I would that's say- That's true. Case, that's very true. You know, for my company, I mean, we're very much self-managing. My team is very good at solving problems themselves. And they don't need a lot yeah. of middle management. Yeah. So I fortunately, and or maybe unfortunately, have a lot of apprentice machinists in our shop that need mm-hmm. a lot of managing. They need more hands. They right. need to, and more than what Ryan can do. Right, and that's what I'm saying, Jason. More than he has time. I for. feel as though we are feeling the need for this middle management role because we, the top management is feeling becoming overwhelmed with their tasks. The time it took to do these tasks is increasing two or three or four times what it used to be. And there's just no Mm -hmm. more time in the day. So we need to delegate responsibilities, take a chunk of these tasks out of our responsibilities and hand them down to a middle manager that's going to be responsible. Right? Mm Mm-hmm. Understood. And then weekly, your middle management team reports to your top management on how well they're doing at managing the people below them and what Mm -hmm. they need. Yeah. And so the question is, is managing your people, is managing the shop floor, training? It sounds like it's a lot of training holding them accountable, solving problems. Yes, yes, yes. And that's a full-time job. It's a highly technological business. I mean, it's not like working at Walmart. Yeah, absolutely. Stocking a shelf. Yeah. You have to know somebody that has material science. They know the difference between ink and L and aluminum. They know when to replace a cutting tool. Yeah, I get it. Like They have to have that industry knowledge in order to teach these young people that you have in the shop. I yes. Agree. And so that's the question is like, do you need somebody that's a quote unquote manager well, I don't necessarily- or do you need somebody that's just a leader yes. who's kind of like that higher skilled person who can lead and coach, yes. but he's not necessarily their supervisor. Yes. Cause that's where you can kind of run into some difficulty is when you try to implement somebody that's right. a quote unquote boss or supervisor. Yes. Yes. And we've been through that already with my <laughs> leadership team. We don't necessarily want to call what we're looking for a manager or middle management, but more yeah. like a shop lead or a planner. And it's really yeah. good. You know, we use pro shop ERP and pro shop ERP has a great database of company positions with a lot of mm-hmm. with the functions templated in there according to what a machine shop would have. 
i.e. right now I'm looking in our ERP system for a program manager, and I can read off seven or eight different functions. Like the tasks and yes, the duties and, and stuff? and the prerequisites to be in that role. Oh, that's yeah, it's where does somebody go to find out more information on ProShop ERP? Well, where do you think? I would Google ProShopERP.com. Yeah, go to ProShopERP.com and find out. Talk to our friend Paul. Exactly. He's a great guy. But what we're doing is, and, and this is another important part of utilizing the resources you have internally, is looking at your organizational chart, looking at the different company positions it could inevitably be a company as small as two to five people to a company, like you said, as many as a hundred people. This is where the functions of positions in a company becomes. And then you can always go in and you can do a draft rev and type in what you believe and importantly, make it more granular to the functions that you want them to do and more specific to your own company. So that's what we're doing right now. We're working on that, trying to develop or redevelop the company positions at CAR. Yeah, I think that goes back to the accountability chart, like figuring out what is most critical to performing the tasks of your company. Exactly. And then developing an accountability chart around it. Yeah, it's good to refresh that every once in a while. I agree with you. So. What is the core of like the problem that you're or the issue that you're trying to solve here? Like whether to hire somebody, whether to put a layer of management between Ryan and the plant floor. Exactly. Is that what you're trying to uh, yes, figure out? Exactly. And is it person a shop lead? Is that person a planner? Is that person a I don't know. It could be a project manager. It could be even a project manager or a program manager. What are you trying to solve? We're trying to give away tasks that can be managed by other people in the shop. So, so it's let's a, just it's say capacity it's capacity. It, that's okay. when you know you need it. When you are at capacity and you cannot do your normal tasks in the time frame that you normally can get them done. You're feeling okay. overwhelmed. You're feeling burdened. You feel like you can't catch up. That's a red flag to say, hey, something's wrong. I need to hire. I need to create or delegate responsibilities to another person. And that's kind of like how you came up with like your full-time quality person too, right? Because you never used to have somebody that was full-time quality and all of a sudden it became something that was a full-time job. Especially when we went to AS because to manage AS 9100 is a much larger scope than managing IS 9000 and ISO 9001. So this is what I would ask you. I assume that this is both you and Ryan that are trying to hand off and delegate off tasks that you have to somebody else, right? Both 100%. Of I can think of five right away that I could just give yeah. away. Okay. So what I would suggest, I don't think that we're going to actually solve no. in this episode. No. We're going to solve the problem, but this is what I would suggest that you it's guys gonna, go It's going to get us thinking, right? It's going to get us... Yeah, it's gonna get, yeah. So this is what should get you thinking is if you were to sit down and write down all the major stuff that you guys... We've did, done that already. Okay, both, both of you do that oh. separately. And then say to yourself, what do I love doing and what am I really good yep. at? And then once you determine what you love doing and what you're really good at, that's what you need to continue doing. And then you look at the stuff that you don't love doing and maybe you're good at it, maybe you're not, but you don't love it. It drains you, it exhausts you, you procrastinate on it. 
those are the things that you probably should be handing off to this other person. And then Ryan should do the same thing. And then when you look at that, say, okay, is this a planner? Is this just a lead machinist? Is this an estimator? Is this a combination of all those? And I think that you could do things dynamically. I don't believe for a company your size, I think that for companies bigger, it goes this way, but I don't think for companies your size that you need to be really strict with the job roles. Like this has to be mill department manager, whatever that job is, like, or the quality control manager. Like I think that for a company your size, you're a little bit on the smaller side, you could be more dynamic with the roles that you attribute to that person. Sure, absolutely. But I think that you just need to go through that exercise and say, okay, this is the type of job that we're looking to hire. I mean, that's kind of how I came up with this new hire that I'm going to be making an offer on it, which is going to be like our administrative coordinator is I figured out all the stuff that I didn't want to do and that various other teams, like my customer service team and other teams didn't want to do. And I constructed a job around it. It just so happened to be like an administrative coordinator job. And it just worked out well. Yep. Yours might be an estimator. It might be estimator slash coach slash problem solver. But it might not be the person that's actually supervising or managing your shop floor because Ryan's still doing that because he enjoys doing that and he's good at it and you want him to be that person. But Ryan can, you know, while he or she is doing the estimating for you, Ryan can also send him out in the shop to solve a problem so that he doesn't have to do exactly. it. Exactly. You know? Exactly. So we've done that exercise already and we think it's down to either we don't really want to say project manager or a planner mm-hmm. or a shop lead. We kind of have... But if you call them a shop lead, that could, you, could, you could attribute any kind of task to Anything. That. Anything at all. You know, right. Who cares about the title? The title's irrelevant as far as I'm concerned. But it's part of our organizational chart. And no, people no, no, need that, to, to me, that comes last. That comes yes. last. Oh, you've got to figure what the pain yeah. points are first like, and what you're going to... What's your title? President? What does that mean? It doesn't... Right. Exactly. I know people, peers of ours who have removed titles from their business card because yeah. at the end of the day, we're all on the same level, right? Yeah. We're all human We're all beings. human beings. Exactly. We're all part of a team and the... And result is what we are striving for. Is yeah. To be so I would say, don't even worry about the title. Like, come up with that later. We have to have it in our... Um, Eventually, yeah. 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 But I'm saying, don't make that be the first thing. Like, make that be the last thing. Sure. Because you could get hung up on the title, and that becomes the barrier to you figuring this out and getting this yep. done. Yep. Think about how that person will appear on the first day and what they will do. Then the next question. And how you'll feel about that. Who is the right person? Should this person be promoted from within the company or should we look to hire from outside the company? Well, yes, within the company, if you have somebody that has the exactly. skill set. If you don't have somebody that has a skill set, then you need to go outside. Exactly. So that's what we're toying with right now is does mm-hmm. this person look like they can come from inside or do we need to go to the outside of the company and hire somebody new to fulfill that? Yeah. And you could kind of test some of your current like, team members yes. now. Like if, by give them some of these yep, tasks. Exactly. Just to see how well yeah. they execute and how yep. well they do. Yeah. Exactly. So that's kind of where we're at right now. I'm really looking forward to getting it done because it's going to relieve a lot of stress on the top management, mm-hmm. i.e. Ryan and I and John, and hopefully it will be a better run company. A couple of the things that I found while I was preparing for this, again, middle manager activities. So what are they going to be doing? What world are they going to be living in? It says communication, sense making. What does this mean for me and my team? Sense giving, making the change relevant for the team. 
mobilization. You're talking in like a highfalutin manner that I don't even know if, do you understand what you're saying? Yes. By sense making? What are you talking Does about? Does it make sense? Are you guys making candles? No, but we're making precision machine parts that go on rockets. <laughs> well, you're talking about sense. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I'm giving, I know I'm it's okay. Just it's around. okay. I'm reading it. It's a canned. Yeah, I would say one of the biggest job of a middle manager is, is coaching. To me, that's one of the biggest things that you want. But do you believe they should have good communication skills? They have to in order to coach. Exactly. Yeah. How about mobilization? Is that an activity that a middle manager should have? What is mobilization? Mean? Being able to make people do what they do, or getting no, execution. That's, to me, that's holding people accountable. Right. Yeah. What about evaluation? Would you think that a middle manager should be able to- Well, if they're truly a middle manager, and I don't know that you know whether you want to hire a middle manager or you, whether you just want a lead person, right. but if they're a middle manager, they need to be able to yeah, review people and everything like that and evaluate. Right. Right now, I'm the sole person in the company that's doing that. Yeah. So that would be good for you to teach yourself. Exactly. Exactly. So delegate now. Yeah, exactly. So at the end of the day, Metalworking Nation, if you have any ideas for me to help me get through this, I'll report back soon because this is something that's going to happen quickly, I believe. It has to. Um, it's getting serious. But if you do have any tips or tricks for me, any ideas to help me get through this, if you've gone through the same issue going from a smaller company to a middle-sized machine shop, Please reach out to me, Jim at makingchips.com. I would love to hear from you and let me know if I'm in the right direction and moving forward. Because at the end of the day, I don't have that worldly experience. This is all I know is a small company. So and it's it's a little painful to get through, quite frankly. Yeah. Well, look at this. Jim's being very humble in this episode, not like your normal self. <laughs> well, it is what it is, right? You can't reinvent what you don't have or what you're not experienced right. for. Yep, I understand. Good. Good for yeah. you. I, I'm glad that you're going through these growing pains. I think it's going to be good for you. And I know that you'll figure it out. I know I will. Yeah. I mean, because the fact is, is like, if you don't figure out this problem, you are going to run into some capacity issues and you're not going to be able to make as many chips as you were before. Because if you're not making chips, you're not making money. Bam. Bam. Thanks for listening to the Making Chips podcast. Jim and Jason knew that the metalworking nation, the community of world-class makers, needed to commit to a new way of leading to stay ahead of the competition. So, Making Chips was created to fill that void, to give you advice from other manufacturing leaders who can push you to take action. Your manufacturing challenges have a solution. And many of them are at makingchips.com.